listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. To participate in the show, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W dot com. Click on the contact link and submit your question or comment there. I'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Leave your voicemail there and I'll use that as part of the show. And now, the Fret Files Podcast. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the show. It's a good one. Uh, we've got some surprises for you. You have no idea. Uh, it's the Fret Files podcast, your fortnightly foray into guitar geekery. Who wrote this? It's terrible. My name is Eric Daw. I wrote it, and I'm your personal guitar scientist with 25 years of experience. How is that possible? I don't even feel that old. 25 years of experience building and repairing guitars. Sitting beside me is my lovely co-host, Sage. Hey, greetings, everybody. I just want to say thanks for inviting me today. I'm excited to be doing this with you. I'm going to read the listener submitted questions, and Eric is going to answer them the best he can, uh, drawing on his experience as a professional luthier. What have you been up to lately, Eric? Well, working on my sanity. <clears throat> That's one big, big thing. Surprise, Sage is here. Sage, you know, the listeners are going to be scratching their heads. Wait, who is this person? Melissa's taking a break. Sage is my sister. Hey, sure and am. So she's going to co-host. So what have I been working on? I've been work. you know what? I've been working on a lot of guitars, but... Sometimes you just have to work on something different. And I have a I have a bowling ball that I love. And I go bowling once a week with my kids and they love it and I love it. So I'm bowling and my thumb just hurts. It's killing me. And I went up and talked to the the bowling guy, you know, at the counter. Like there's the guy <laughs> who knows all about bowling. And uh <clears throat> I enlarge the, the do you, in your pro shop, can you enlarge the hole? I feel like the hole is too tight. And he looked at my ball, and he looked at my hand, and he said, put your fingers in the holes. And I put my fingers in the holes, and he goes, this is not your ball. <laughs> I said, well, yeah, it's my ball. I bought it at the thrift store for $5. What do you mean it's not my ball? I paid good money for this. He said, no, it's not. It wasn't customized to your hand. Oh. And I said, I didn't know that was a thing. Well, apparently it's a thing, like the spacing of your hand. So when you grab the bowling ball, there should be no gap there where the ball is, you know, in between where your fingers are going into the holes. The rest of your hand should all be touching the ball. Wow. And the holes in my ball are way too close together. So there's this big gap uh, between my hand and the ball. And he goes, that's why your thumb hurts. Well, I didn't know that. So I said, can can that be plugged and redrilled? And he goes, I mean, it's a $5 ball, man. Just get a different ball. <laughs> but 
but that won't do. I love this bowling ball. It's just the right size. Well, they're all the same size. It's just the right uh, weight. weight. Yeah, it's the right weight. I like a light ball because I have shoulder problems. Mm. Anyway, the, I love this bowling ball. So I, being a crafty luthier with a shop and all, I have all the tools. So I thought, I'm, I'm just going to do this myself. I plugged the hole with some epoxy and dyed it black so that it matches the ball. So I plugged the hole, figured out where the new hole needed to be, took the ball over to my drill press, found the right diameter, you know, the same diameter as my thumb, drilled a new hole where it should be. And uh, this is just, that's what I've been working on. I worked on a bowling ball. That's amazing. Well, it didn't take that long. I mean, I really am working on everybody that sent me repairs. I'm working on your repairs too. Trust me, I didn't spend all week on this. But <laughs> and have you used the bowling ball since? No, that, I just did that today. Ah, uh, okay. But I'm kind of excited about it because yeah. now I can bowl with my favorite ball, and I don't think my thumb's going to hurt anymore. And then I'm going to show that guy. I'm going to say, "Hey, you remember how you said <laughs> you might get some sight work?" Yeah, he's going to. Yeah, right. He's going to say, "Hey, if you want to, <laughs> you want to come in and customize." people's bowling balls <laughs> come on down uh as far as other stuff in the shop i've been working on i got a new batch of custom guitars that are halfway done uh, i've got a few neck resets i've been working on and a vintage gibson that somebody sent me and uh, a little a cute little mahogany martin that needs a neck reset and a whole bunch of other you know just tedium like pickup swaps and stuff like that that's always fun uh, what else has been going on? Not much. I just got nothing to report. But I think we have... I think we have some guitar news. Do you Have you ever listened to the show, Sage? No. Sorry. That's okay. You don't need to. It's just... <laughs> it's really... There's nothing to bad it. bad sister. No, that's okay. It's boring as hell. You don't want to hear it. <laughs> but we do have guitar news. So let's do that. Guitar news. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, sad news in Los Angeles. Boutique Amps distribution facility in Los Angeles was hit by a fire. Oh. I know. This is from Guitar.com. Uh, and uh, Boutique Amp distribution, they um, a whole bunch of amp companies work out of this distribution center. It's a manufacturing facility and a warehouse, and it's home to... Amp and Effect brands uh, Friedman Amplification, Wampler, Soldano, Eggnator, Diesel, Matthews Effects, Tone King, Bogner, and Morgan. And I think I think more than that, too. Anyhow, big fire, three-alarm fire in Los Angeles on uh, May 31st. And apparently, um, uh, I could not find—so this happened May 31st, and now it's halfway through June— I could not find an update, so I don't know how bad the blaze was. I don't know the uh, extent of it, but there was an Instagram post on Morgan Amplifier's Instagram page saying, my prayers are with my family at Boutique Amps. Not much of an update. Not much. No. Uh, He says, I'm not sure how much damage was done to the manufacturing side of the shop, but hopefully we'll have a better understanding of the damage today. So, uh, I don't know. If anybody's heard... You know, write in. Let us know. Uh, oh, there wasn't one update. Oh, here at the end of the story, one update. 
Statements from Boutique Amp's distribution employees on social media have noted that while the, the extent of the damage is not clear, they are hearing that the Blaze mainly avoided the brand's main warehouse and manufacturing facility. However, water damage and other factors could still impact the business. The full scope of the damage is yet to be assessed. Bummer news. I'm sorry to hear that. Those are all great brands, and uh, I hope that it wasn't as bad as it sounds. But if anybody knows, write in and, and let me know because I couldn't. I did a. I searched the Google. The Google. And I couldn't. Let you down. Yeah, and I couldn't find any updates newer than this. Mm. So apparently no one cares, which is even sadder. Mm. Yeah, what are you going to do? We do have a phone call. Let's take that. Hi, Eric and Mel. Hope all is good in Idaho. Uh, this is Joe in Denver. I've got a question about a guitar finish repair or stabilization. Uh, I have a, a Mexican Stratocaster that got dropped on its edge, and now it has a, a kind of one-inch round ding uh, on one edge of it. Uh, but it isn't just a dent. It's uh, almost like a shatter. Uh, it has spiky bits of paint that are sort of sticking up, including some of the under finishes. It's sure to snag on something eventually and, and rip those off. They're, um, they're sharp and um, and uh, it's it's pretty ugly, and it looks like it's just going to get, like I said, snagged on something and, and, and pulled off. So a question I have for you is, is how would you tackle uh, stabilizing this so it doesn't get any worse and, and doesn't catch on something and rip chunks of paint off? Uh, and is it something that you know, the amateur loopier like myself uh, could tackle? Uh, thanks a lot, and I'll send a photo of what I'm talking about. Thank you, sir. Yeah, he did send a photo. It's pretty nasty. Mm-hmm. My goodness, sir. What I'm confused by is why is it why is it metallic blue underneath the white paint? Like this is like a is this a refin or something? It's Lake Placid blue under under white. Anyhow, yeah, that's a pretty nasty ding, and there's big flaky bits coming off. <clears throat> um, and you can stabilize that with super glue, or the fancy name for that is cyanoacrylate, right? Uh, but what you could do, I th- I'm pretty sure that Stuart McDonald and other companies like Glue Boost uh, sell white super glue. Um, let me just double check that because I, I swear I've, I used to have some. I know that they make amber and black because I've got some in the shop. Uh, and I think that they also make white, and that's what I would use. Yeah, so Stuart McDonald has, let me look, they have a really good quality um, super glue, and this is the kind of finish damage that I would use super glue if I were going to touch that up. Uh, they have tinted super glue. It's 10 bucks for a bottle, which is totally reasonable. It's super high quality. Yeah, they have white, black, and amber. So you could get a little five ounce bottle of this white Stumac super glue and maybe get some accelerator too. And you can build up that finish. It probably won't match exactly because different shades of white. I mean, there's a thousand shades of white and it's, it looks like your guitar is a little bit off white. And this super glue, I think, is really bright white, so it it 
probably won't match exactly, but it's going to match way better than just putting clear super glue in there. So you can build up the finish with white super glue and then make sure that it cures, make sure that it hardens. And uh, then after you build it up, you can you can scrape it with a, I, use, I just use a, a razor blade, scrape it flush with the surrounding finish and then sand and polish and uh, it might turn out pretty well. That's what I would do if I had it on my bench. Maybe, uh, you know, you could always practice on something first. When I first started doing finish touch-ups, I would buy ceramic mugs at the thrift store for 50 cents, put a ding in it, oh, and then clever. and then touch it up, right? Yeah. You know, then you end up with a cup that you just end up throwing away in the garbage. But at least you practiced. <laughs> Did you know I use super glue to do finish touch-ups? No, I remember uh, you used to use it to uh, kind of as a bandage when you were playing the guitar a lot. Oh, yeah, to <laughs> help my finger. Yeah, when I played, when I was playing a lot, when I was playing a lot of gigs, my I would super glue my fingertips because they would just come apart. Wow, so many uses for super glue. I know, right? Yeah. Did you know what it's originally was for? No. They developed it during World War II as an as a field bandage like to as as a liquid bandage you know to huh. stop bleeding well that would do it how about that uh but now we use it to f- repair the finish on stratocasters uh all righty so let's see what are we doing here did i answer his question i think so build it up with super glue scrape it flush and then sand and polish if i've talked about it on the show a million times i'm sure I think that we only had one call. Let me look. Yes, we only had one call. So now we're going to read the, uh, I should say Sage is going to read the uh, letters. Here we go. Letters. We get letters. We get stacks and stacks of letters. Eric, as I was drinking my horrid Epiphone-flavored coffee... Yeah. And listening to your podcast, I heard your smug laughter about the bee bender. I think it was made by Clarence White, and he made some beautiful sounds with it, didn't he? I also listened to your praise on weird Japanese samurai sword guitars. Aren't they essentially the same thing? Bee benders and Japanese 60s guitars, both technically not what you would like and looking weird, but played by really great musicians like Hound Dog Taylor, thanks for this sound bite by the way, and Clarence White, they really shine and blah, blah, lift our souls, smothered in dirt, up to heaven, hallelujah, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> this got, this went crazy. <laughs> Praise the guitar, the heavenly Lord's greatest weapon, blah, blah. <laughs> Sorry for this, and maybe it's a lame comparison, but I just wanted to write an email, I guess. Bye, and thanks. Uh Bernardus in Holland. Oh, thanks. They're from Holland. Yeah, I know. I get a little bit smug and and derisive, derisive about things. I don't. I really don't look down on the bee bender. I think it's brilliant, and I think it's uh, it has a cool sound. I just don't want to work on them. What a pain in the rear end. In in fact, working on them isn't even that bad. I just don't want to install them. Mm-hmm. I get I get people who say, uh. Hey, can you take my perfectly good Telecaster and and install a B bender in it? And I don't want to. 
to do that, you have to route these giant cavities in the back of the guitar, and it's just a mess. And I don't ever want to do it, ever. You can get a Telecaster body that's already been pre-routed for it, and that's really the way to go. But people, sometimes they ask me, they say, Eric, will you install one of these? And I always say, no. So thank you, Bernardus. I appreciate your email. And it also is a great segue into our little bit of guitar history. The Guitar History Corner. Clarence White. We're going to talk about the B-Bender, just because uh, just because you complained there all the way from Holland. <laughs> Clarence White, he was born Clarence Joseph LeBlanc. He was born June 7th, 1944. Do you know who Clarence White is, Sage? No. Well, he was a member of the band The Birds. You know the band oh, yeah, The Birds, of right? Oh, yeah. Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he worked extensively as a session musician, appearing on records by the Everly Brothers, Joe Cocker, Ricky Nelson, Pat Boone, The Monkees, Randy Newman, Linda Ronstadt, and others. Wow. How about that? Famous yeah. guy. Mm, yeah. Great guitar player. And he gets such a cool sound. He, he's got a very, you know, unique sound. And it's, well, it's because of this B-Bender contraption, right? I'll play a little clip here in a minute for you. Uh, together with uh, frequent collaborator Gene Parsons, he invented the B-Bender, which is a guitar accessory that enables a player to mechanically bend the B-string up a whole tone and emulate the sound of a pedal steel guitar. In 1967, while they were both members of the band Nashville West, White and Parsons invented a, a, a device that enabled Clarence to simulate the sound of a pedal steel guitar on his 1954 Fender Telecaster. See, now if somebody asked me to route out the back of a 54 Fender Telecaster, I would say no. Mm. But Clarence White does it and everybody applauds. <laughs> so, you tell me. I don't know. The need for such a device was driven by White's desire to bend his guitar's B string up a full step while keeping his left hand on the strings on the fretboard. In order to achieve this feat, White felt that he needed a third hand. The guitarist turned to his friend Parsons, who was an amateur machinist, and asked him to design and build an apparatus to pull or drop the B string. The device, which was known as the Parsons White String Bender, also known as the B Bender, was a spring lever mechanism built into the inside of White's guitar, which linked to the guitar's strap button and the B string. So when it was activated by pulling down the guitar, it would pull a little lever on the strap button, and it pulled the B-string and caused the guitar to simulate the uh, the uh, crying sound of a pedal steel. White would go on to use the device extensively as a member of the birds, and as a result, the distinctive sound of the string bender would become a defining characteristic of that band's music during White's tenure with the group. Here's an excerpt from a 1967 live recording of... Uh, the band Nashville West with Clarence White on guitar. Yep, pretty neat. I mean, it's cool. Oh, yeah. It's cool, but I can't turn it off. Okay, (laughs) hush. Thanks. We've had... We've had quite enough. Thank you. <laughs> it's good. I don't know. It's just not, uh, you know, I, it's very cool. It's not my thing. I'd rather listen to Hound Dog Taylor, but very cool. Yeah. 
Anyhow, thank you, Bernardus in Holland. All right, Eric, you have a wonderful podcast that is a joy to listen to. Thank you. I have a little problem I wanted to some expert advice on, and my local guitar repair guys aren't usually much help. Plus, I'm a do-it-yourself kind of guy. I recently had a guitar ship back to me. Long story, I was selling it, but the guy changed his mind. It received some shipping damage, I think, and hope it wasn't something else. Basically, the edge of the top must have received some kind of impact and got a chip in it. Wow, another chip to finish? Right. My question to you, should I try to use some kind of solvent to melt this back together and then proceed to drop fill lacquer until filled? Or is there any risk to just using thick super glue, the stumac kind, since it will fill much faster and I'll be level standing, sanding and buffing in much in a much shorter time? There are lacquer checks and other cosmetic imperfections on this 2012 Gill D40, so I really just want a smooth place to put my arm. Any thoughts? Thank you. You are a gem to the guitar community. Ooh. Chris in Kansas. Thanks, Chris. I'm a gem, he says. Ooh, a gem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I hope I live up to your high expectations of me. Uh, so, you know, much like this, uh, the first chip we talked about, I would use super glue. He's asking, should I use the thick super glue, uh, and I'm saying no. He he emailed me a picture of this, and it's there's like uh, some separation where the finish is lifting. On you know, there's damage on the edge of the acoustic guitar, and the finish is kind of lifting. Mm-hmm. And what I do in that case is I use the thin super glue because the thin super glue, once you put it on there, it's like the viscosity of water, right? And when you put it on there, it just seeps and just sucks right into all those little voids and and where the finish is lifting. So I would use the thin superglue first, and then once you get everything, uh, you know, uh, solidified with that, then you can build up the finish with a clear medium viscosity superglue. Then scrape it flush with a blade, with a razor blade, sand and polish. A lot like the other one. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Well, I tell you what, this uh, episode of the Fret Files podcast is brought to you by Apex Coffee Roasters. Mm-hmm. I got a bag right here. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Smell that. This episode. Oh, I already said that. Ooh. Apex Coffee Roasters. They they search the globe for the best coffee beans available. Have you ever had coffee over here at my house? Uh, No. This not- is all... This is I haven't all we roast. seen you for like a year. This is all we <laughs> roast, and I, because you know, because they're a sponsor. All right, but it's so good. They search the globe for the best beans available. They roast them right there in house in Waco, Texas, to unlock the natural aromas and flavors that make each cup an individual experience. Mm, I am so excited to try this. You can order Apex Coffee online. Fret Files listeners can use my promo code PINUP at checkout. That's P I N U P. PINUP. Receive 10% off from apexcoffeeroasters.com. Hey, life happens, especially to me. (laughs) Coffee helps. Apexcoffeeroasters.com. We've talked a lot about neck straightening irons on the show, and people write to me and they say, Eric, where can I get one? Well, until now, I didn't have anywhere to send people because nobody makes them anymore, except for my buddy Rick. 
at playersgearmusic.com. You can go to Players Gear Music. You can order a neck straightening iron. Some people call it a neck press or a neck heater. It is an invaluable tool in my shop. I use it all the time. I'd be lost without one of these. I, I love having a neck straightening iron, and Rick is making a really, really stout industrial. It, I, I think it... I think it's the best one that I've used, and I've I've used a lot. I've made my own. I've used uh, the commercially available ones that they used to sell in the 70s and 80s, but they don't sell them anymore. Well, now you can get one from playersgearmusic.com. They're $7.49. I know that seems like a lot. It's, it's a tool. I tell you what, it's going to pay for itself a hundred times over. If you go to his website and make an offer for six ninety nine, and mention the Fret Files podcast, six ninety nine, free shipping, and it's yours. A neck straightening iron, a neck press, a neck heater, whatever you want to call it. Playersgearmusic.com has them, and you need one. I'm telling you, it's an invaluable tool, indispensable. I'd be lost without mine. So go to playersgearmusic.com and check it out. And don't forget to tell Rick that the Fret Files podcast sent you. As you know from listening to the show, I repair and restore guitars. If you go over to ericdaw.com and see information about guitar repair and guitar restoration, you can contact me there. If you've got some guitar restoration or pickup rewinding, anything that you need done, If you want to see the custom guitars that I build, you can go over to pinupcustomguitars.com. There's a whole lot of guitars on there that have been sold, but I also post new arrivals there all the time. They go quick, so check often. The best way to get into the loop is to submit your email address on the the homepage of that website, and that'll add you to my email list, and you'll get a heads up when there's new guitars available. That's pinupcustomguitars.com and ericdaw.com. Hi guys, what's the deal with people sounding the back of guitar necks? I've noticed an increase in this behavior and it just hurts my soul. There are plenty of unfinished neck options out there that don't involve deglossing a wood guitar. I've seen it range from light roughing of the finish to total stripping down the bare wood. Perhaps I'm missing out on some mojo, but I'm happy thinking it's foolish. I feel as if we are not so much owners, but caretakers of these instruments. I sure hope my guitars will be around long after I'm gone. Imagine three or four owners down the road having to fondle through pizza spit and beer-soaked wood from the guitar's past. The older unfinished necks I've seen always look dirty. Maybe they think it's a relic touch. I promise that no one thinks that your Ibanez just got off a world tour and has had the finish played right off. This brings me to a PSA. Wash your hands, people. It's fine by me if you want to put down the buttered popcorn to show me a riff on your guitar, but when you handle someone else's axe, wash your grubby little mitts. Oh. <laughs> Thank you for a great podcast. Earl the Grumpy Young Curmudgeon, Nashville, Tennessee. Mm, thanks, Earl. <laughs> hey, I'm with you. I get a lot of people that ask me to do that. They want uh, the they want the finish de-glossed. I never have a problem with it. I don't know. I don't understand it. Some people... You know, people sweat differently, too, and, and you run into people who just, I think that their problem is that their hands just sweat a lot when they play, and when the neck is really glossy, and you're sweating a lot, you just stick to the neck. Yeah. yeah. And so I get it, you know, 
but um, it can be done if it, if the finish is is like a modern, you know, thick poly, like on a like what would be on a Squire or something. You can degloss that in such a way that uh, it could be buffed right out to a high shine again. Mm. You know, so it's not the end of the world, but. Yeah, sanding it down to bare wood, I never really recommend that. It, it should have a finish on it, and at least an, like an oil finish, something. It, the guitar neck has to have some kind of finish on it. I can't put this coffee down. It just smells so good. <clears throat> uh, yeah, so I'm with you. I don't really like it either, but what are you going to do? You know, it's, it, it's, it's their guitar, and if they want to sand the back of the neck, then who are we, really, Earl? Who are we to judge, <laughs> right? You and me, Earl. We're just some grumpy curmudgeons, but I'm with you. I hear you. I'm with you. I think we got one more question. You want to read this one? Yep, one more here. Hey, Eric. I really appreciate your show, as it is my favorite. Well, thank you. I have three questions. Number one, your website says that your tele-style pickups are not the best for high gain. And I'm wondering, are your single coil pickups good for high gain? I'm considering your pickups for my guitars, guitars I build for others, and pickup swaps on already made client guitars. Number two, do you make any other types of pickups? Number three, what brand of super glue do you use and how much does it matter? Joseph in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Mm, Joseph in Grand Rapids. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so my telly style pickups are not the best for high gain, and I, and I warn people of that because I make them slightly microphonic. And I, I like them slightly microphonic, that's just what I like. And, uh, uh, so if you run that through, you know, a really high gain distortion pedal or a super loud, you know, heavy metal amp, you're probably gonna get some squeal. So, uh, no, I don't recommend my tele-style pickups for high gain. My other single-coil pickups, not tele, but like Stratocaster-style single-coil pickups, are great for high gain. They're not slightly microphonic. It has to do with the base plate that's on that tele bridge pickup. Uh, it's It really does. It's just, it's the base, it's the base plate. I don't like to wax those onto the... Uh, onto the bobbin so and that makes them slightly microphonic you know i'm revealing secrets here Ooh, secrets mm-hmm, secret sauce i they are wax potted but i don't put the base plate on before it goes in the wax pot i put the base plate on after and uh, i have a special way that i stick it on there but not with wax and i'm not going to tell you how i do that but it does make it slightly microphonic so uh that's just the telly pickups. Any other pickup I make is perfectly good for high gain. He asks, do you make any other type of pickups? Yeah, I make P90s. I can do humbuckers. I can do, I mean, pretty much whatever you want. It's just that Fender style pickups are kind of my specialty. But uh, yeah, if, uh, if you want something else, if you've got something in mind, let me know. And sometimes I'm in the mood to do it, and sometimes I'm not. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> that's the truth. It just depends on, on how full my plate is. Sometimes I just have so much going on in the shop, and, and, and then somebody wants me to make a pair of P90s, and I just say, you know, I'm not your guy. Just, just you know, I'll, I'll, give, I'll refer you to somebody else. But if I've got n- n- 
you know, time and there's not a whole lot going on in the shop, then uh, you hit me on the right day and I'll make a set of P90s for you. It just depends. But Fender style pickups I'll make all day. Uh, anything else you kind of have to, I, I pick and choose. I just pick and choose. I get a lot of emails. People want me to make whatever. Number three, he says, what brand of super glue do you use and how much does it matter? Well, it actually matters quite a bit. I, I really do like to use the fancy, expensive super glue. I have expensive super glue tastes. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Stumac. Connoisseur I of am. super glue. I am. I'm like a glue sniffer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a cork sniffer, but for glue, you know? Uh. The my favorite is Glue Boost, G L U, Boost. Uh, they make really good super glue. I love it for touching up finishes and stuff. There will be less imperfections in it. Uh, it just sets up nicer. Their website says that a lot of super glue has carcinogens in it. Ooh, yeah, I know. I didn't know good. that. It's no, it's not good. But they say theirs does not. Now, I'm not a doctor, <laughs> but that's what their website says, so I'm going to believe them. Uh, for just, like, general purpose utility-grade stuff, like if I need to, you know, if I'm going to put a just a dot of super glue on a nut to glue it into place, uh, I have just generic, crappy, you know, super glue that works great, like from, you know, Harbor Freight or whatever. And so if I'm if I'm going to do that, I, I use just generic super glue, but for finished touch-ups, it really does make a difference because the high-quality super glue um, will just give you a nicer finished product. So Stuart McDonald is my second favorite. I I have a lot of bottles of both. I have Glue Boost and Stuart McDonald. Stuart McDonald makes great super glue, uh, and they were the first ones to offer, as far as I'm aware of. They were the first ones to offer amber-tinted superglue, which is so nice when you're when you're touching up the finish of a guitar where the lacquer has yellowed to have that amber-colored superglue, and it's and they really nailed the color of ambered lacquer. Uh, so that I've got I've got some of that, and then you know I've got different viscosities, thin, medium, and gel, and uh, I've got both Stumac and Glue Boost, and they're more money. They're certainly more expensive than, you know, if you just go down to the corner drugstore and buy super glue. But it does make a difference. You'll get a better finished product when you're touching up finishes. The other thing that I use it for sometimes is uh, sometimes I, I try Carson Hess's method of pour filling when I'm going to finish, you know, I'm starting with raw wood like an, like ash, like an ash, swamp ash Telecaster body. You have to pour fill it. And sometimes I use super glue for that. And uh, I generally use um, just kind of the more general purpose super glue for that because you have to use so much of it. And it's going to be under the finish of a, you know, it's going to be under the, the finish. So, uh, yeah. It more just like a primer. Yeah, more like a primer, exactly. And so it depends on your purpose that you're using the glue for, but the... The fancy superglue is worth it, and it's very, very good stuff. That does it for the show. How do you like 
co-hosting a podcast. Sure enjoyed myself, and I know a lot more about superglue than I ever thought I would. <laughs> you know. ever wanted to know, <laughs> right? You didn't know that your brother was such a such a, a glue connoisseur. <laughs> That does it for the show. Thanks for your participation, and thanks for listening. If you want to submit a question, go to my website. It's ericdaw.com. Click the contact link and submit your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482, and we'll use that as part of the show. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good one. Thank you.